0: Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore focused writers for Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co hosts with me today. First up, he's a shaman columnist. He's also a lore aficionado. That would be Joe Perez. Hey, Joe, how's it going?
2: It's going real well. Yesterday was a very important day for me. What happened? That was the big charity event. Uh, how's that so we go? Had Really, really well. Uh, I can't disclose exact numbers, but we raised a good t- a good portion of money, a good portion of food uh, donations that came in. I think we're still counting cans. Um, it was just really, really good. Everybody had a really good time. Uh, and we did a couple of new things this year. Like we did a charity auction instead of just a blind raffle for everything that we got because we get a bunch of prize support from various companies to raffle off and you know for proceeds to go through through everything. But I did a custom bust with a custom plinth as my donation to the auction. And it went really, really well. It sold really, really well. So I'm super excited, which now means that next year moving forward, we can be a little bit bigger, a little bit bolder, uh, and see what we can do to sort of expand it out, which I'm I'm super excited for.
0: So this is kind of an annual thing for you guys.
2: It is. It has been an annual thing for me, at least I've been part of it for the last five years. This is the first year that we actually uh, established a, a base organization though so that we can do more beyond this one event uh and actually receive you know legally donations and stuff like that outside of the normal cycle uh which is working out real well but it is an annual event the big one um so if anybody happens to find their way in the western new york area at the same time next year y'all are welcome to come by and you know make sure you you follow me on twitter and i'll uh tweet things out as they come out and you know not to plug myself but it's loader zj l o d u r z j on twitter and you know if you're interested in charity events and gaming and feeding the hungry well yeah i'll I'll make sure any events we get are posted there
0: hit us up with the name of the charity one more time
2: the charity's name is roll for charity r o l l for charity so you know place rolling it makes sense good
0: (laughs) cool thank you joe and also with us today is our other lore focused writer over on blizzard watch that would be matt rossi hey rossi hey everybody you had a birthday
1: I did indeed I am older yet still still older I'm, here's, here's an idea of how old I am I, I wasn't 40 yet when Cataclysm dropped 8 years ago on my birthday that's right okay.
0: okay. it's been 8
1: years since Cataclysm came out and I have since crossed over I'm now 47
0: oh wow okay
1: yeah. think about how that feels guys 47 years old the game is 14
0: and it's still one of the best tanks in the game anyway <sighs> happy birthday uh, a little bit late
1: Yeah, We did the show, we did the podcast recording two days before. Yeah. And then we're doing this podcast two days after. So it's like we're circling it.
0: Yeah. Well, that's how it usually is with mine. It was just this year, for whatever reason, it landed right on my birthday, which was kind of cool. So. All right. Uh, So this week, Patch 8.1 is coming out on Tuesday, and there's going to be all kinds of lore stuff to talk about in regards to that. However... Um, it's not out yet. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and go back to the mailbag because we have so many emails and we're going to try and hammer our way through some more of those and Probably end up on a tangent somewhere because that's just what we do. If you have an email for the show or you have a question for the show, excuse me, you can email that to podcast at blizzardwatch.com and be sure to put lore watch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for this show. Um, just so you know, in two weeks we will be talking about 8.1 in detail. So if you have any questions that pop up between now and then um, about the lore of 8.1 or any of the story elements that were presented in the 8.1, please feel free to hit us up, because that's what we're going to be talking about. Alright, so first email here is actually, it's regarding the novel Before the Storm. You guys have both read that, right? Oh yeah, yep.
2: Okay. Multiple times.
0: Okay. Alright, um, and this one is from Holy, who is a prop pally from Thrall, who says, hey guys, this question is very simple, but you can expand upon it. Are Safi and Grezik from Before the Storm, are they dead? When they got captured, did they make an escape? If you think so, why? If you don't think so, why not? Without going into too much detail, I think we can safely say that they're alive, um, and I'm not going to go into much more detail than that, but they are. They did escape. Um, for people that are wondering who that is exactly, Grezik is a goblin from Before the Storm, and Safi is a gnome from Before the Storm, and um, they've got kind of a hate-love relationship, sort of, I guess. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's it's not quite love hate. It's more like hate love. Like mm, they, yeah, it's a pretty great relationship that they've got. Um, they are featured throughout the book. Um, they're kind of like one of the side stories that's going on there because obviously, um, Sylvanus is very interested in the Azerite, and so is Gallywix. Gresik is an inventor. And probably one of the more ingenious inventors. And they tap him. He's supposedly quote unquote retired. But they go and they tap him to work on and develop Azerite stuff. And um, in exchange he asks them to find Safi for him. (laughs) And she's about as happy about that as you'd expect. But yeah, it's kind of one of the side things from Before the Storm. If you haven't read the book, I really suggest that you read it. Um, characters and situations from that book are apt to come back into play throughout the course of the expansion. So it's one of those things that, yeah, you probably want to read it. Anyway, um, Holy, that's all I'm going to say about it really is yes, and you'll find out more later. <laughs> But, it's uh, very
1: likely we will probably find out something when we have that huge thing about goblins and gnomes that drops in the middle of patch 8.2. I, so,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, if they don't feature in that, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, um, next email. This is from Halfric Runefist, who's a human paladin on Moonguard, who says, Hello, Watchers. My question has to deal with Bane and how the Torrin fit with the Horde. Of all the Horde races, the Torrin seem... F- seem to fit less and less with the dynamic of the horde and its actions. The gentle and peace-loving giants are con- constantly dragged into unnecessary wars and committing terrible things in the name of war chiefs that see them as nothing but muscle to be thrown at the enemy. It seems like Bane is always almo- almost always saying what the horde is doing is wrong, but he's so easily cowed, pun not intended. Anyway, my question is, do you think that Bane is a coward for not standing up for his beliefs? He always has a problem with how the Horde operates, but has never actually put his hoof down and said enough is enough. If he actually decided to say leave the Horde, and would for sure back him up and the torrent would fit with the Alliance ideals far better than the Hordes, wouldn't they? Um, death to the Lich Queen! <laughs> because this is just <laughs> such a cheerful email! <laughs> Alfred Rudfist, Human Paladin, Moonguard. <laughs> I'm gonna be upfront. I do yeah, not what... agree with the presence of this at all. Okay, you know, well, let's talk about Bane. Let's, let's, let's talk about Bane. You go ahead, Rossi.
1: Um, if you read the War Games, there's a point where Sylvanas and Bane get into it. Mm-hmm. And Sylvanas realizes that if he wanted to, Bane could squash her like a bug. He's so physically powerful, he could have her literally a flat stain on the ground before she could move. He could snap the bones in her arms with a gesture. It's not cowardice, it's forbearance. Torin control themselves a lot because when they are truly angry, like if you go back and you look again to before War Crimes even, you go back to the, the Shattering novel when Cairn finally gets into it with Garrosh. Cairn starts to lose his temper. Cairn forces himself to calm down but he accepts the Matgora and he doesn't hold back. And he's winning the Gora. He's beating Garrosh Hellscream. He is an old old Torin at the time they if, call him the if old Magatha bull.
0: It, or magatha i guess is how <laughs> you are pronouncing it anyway <laughs> if, Mag- if she yeah. hadn't intervened if she hadn't intervened oh, Garrosh gosh, would bad. probably be a flat stain somewhere in the orgrimmar arena and, and again he was an old
1: bull he was not in his prime he was not at the peak of his powers and he was beating garash hellscream in a fight Torin controlled themselves it doesn't mean that he's cowardly or weak. It means that he thinks very deeply about what he's going to do. And keep in mind, Bane has an, ex- is an example in his own history of going off half-cocked mm-hmm. and it blowing up in his face. Bane got captured by harpies because he decided he could handle an entire village of them by himself, and he was only slightly wrong. Like, he's learned, I can't jump too quickly. I have to really think about what I'm doing. But cowardice, no. And the idea that they're, they're they align more with the Alliance, no. Absolutely not. The the Horde the horde are the ones who actually helped the Tauren. Tauren were like basically fighting an enemy that wouldn't stand and fight them. The Centaur wouldn't stand and fight the Tauren. They ran in, burned supplies, stole supplies, and ran out. Hit and run harassment tactics, which they were very good at because they're half-horse. You know, they can get away from you pretty easily. The Tauren couldn't catch them to bring their superior strength to bear. And keep in mind, I'm saying the Tauren are stronger than somebody who weighs about Fifteen hundred pounds because they're half horse, and it's true the Toran are physically stronger than the Centaur. Toran could easily kill them if they could get them into hand-to-hand range. They just couldn't do it; they wouldn't fight. And it was the orcs, not the, the Night Elves, not anybody else. It was the orcs under thrall who helped them. And the orcs, for all that there's lots of problems that Toran might have with the Horde' menta- way of doing things at times, there's always been that respect between them, even when the orcs thought everybody else in the Horde. Sucked. Like when Garage was around, and you know, Garage still wanted the Torrent on his side. It wasn't just for their physical power; that was certainly part of it. But even when he lo- when he won the Nagora, he felt bad about it. He didn't want to win that way. He respected Karen. He was hoping Karen would back down. That's in the book too. He's like, you know, I'll push it, and he'll back down. And then Karen was like, "You don't know me at all. You think I'm going to back down? No. Let's go. You want this to be a fight? Then it can be a fight. So no. Torren Bane and torn in general are not cowards and they're not Bane's always been trying to reform the horde to mm-hmm. get the horde to go along with what he believes is right because he believes it's right it's right there in war crimes he defends garage not because he likes him in fact he does not like him he very much doesn't he would if he if they were going to have some kind of trial combat thing Bane would have been the first guy to fight him. Bane would have loved to have just gotten in there and beaten Garrosh to death, but he couldn't do that because it wasn't the right thing to do. He's very much about doing what the right thing to do is for his people. Right now, Sylvanas could basically say, I have evidence that you've been working with the enemy this whole time. Mm-hmm. Anytime she wants, she could do that. She wouldn't have to do anything. Bane would then have to decide, okay, am I going to try and lead my people against the entire horde? Am I going like, to split the horde that I've been trying to hold together apart? Or am I going to submit and let myself be punished?
2: And that's the other thing that has to be considered, too, that like people tend to gloss over when they ask this question is like Bane's not just some kid that, you know, doesn't have any responsibilities. That's running off and and can go fight that village of Harpies anymore because his dad was there taking care of everything. and was in charge of everything. He is now in charge of of them. He has to keep his people safe. He has to not worry just about what his actions are and whether or not he agrees with what's going on, but what's going to keep the Toran safe. What is going to keep them from reprisal? Cause I mean, if you think about it right now, and we, we have an entire continent more or less that has nothing but horde dedicated races all around it. Right. What happens if he decides to withdraw from the horde? Sylvanas kid, like you said, Rossi's absolutely right. He, she could just go, he's been working with the Alliance the entire time. He's a sympathizer. All of the Toran are a sympathizer. Look at them. They've been working with our enemies all along. Next thing you know, every other race of the Horde is descending upon the the Toran people. That's that's not a good situation to be in. That is not a situation he wants to be in. So he does what he does. With Like Rossi said, he tries to reform from the inside out as and opposed even, to open defiance.
0: Even if Sylvanas and the rest of the Horde didn't hold the rest of the Toran accountable... If they just held Bain accountable all by himself, that means that the Toran would be leaderless, and they've been leaderless once. They lost Cairn. Well, they wouldn't
2: be. They wouldn't be leaderless. Magatha would come and swoop in. Oh, look. <laughs> you know. Uh look. Look. look Cairn and, and Bain. They 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 totally messed up. They didn't have your best intentions at heart, but, but they I got do. themselves killed. Yeah. But I can keep you safe. I have all of this power. I have nothing but the most well intentions for my people. Come worship me. Like that, yeah. that's exactly what would happen. A vacuum of power, Magatha would be in charge. And,
0: and the thing is, is Bane knows that he's seen that happen once before. When his father died, the Grim Totem tried to swoop in. He was there to stop them, and he did manage to stop them eventually. But if he's not there, what happens? He knows what's going to happen, so he's not going to push too hard right now, because last time with Garrosh, you had Voljin who was kind of leading the charge, and everybody else sort of, you know, formed up behind Voljin and helped the Darkspear with their rebellion, and and that led to Garrosh being overthrown. There's no Voljin anymore. There, there's none. He's gone he's bye-bye and there's nobody really to form ranks with Bane Saurfang might have but Saurfang as far as Bane is concerned he got himself killed he i don't i don't do you think Bane knows that Saurfang is alive if he does not, if he does it's surprising
1: to me i think it's very unlikely that he would know. i don't think um, he does right cuz now... he
0: he cut all contact with Anduin
1: yeah he had to so yeah right now the only person who really knows that Sarfang is alive uh, at the at this moment since 8.1 hasn't come out and 8.2 haven't come out yet uh, at this moment the only people who know he's alive are Alliance uh, well you know I guess the Horde would know because you see him
2: yeah we have a, the whole breakout quest so we know he's alive he's so just the still Thanos, in prison we not, don't know if he's still alive
1: we don't know that uh, like your player character would know and Nathanos would know and the other people on that mission would know did I Nathanos tell
0: know. the rest of the Horde
1: I think he probably told one person and Sylvanus. she isn't telling anybody. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Wait, wasn't Rokan with us during that that whole thing? We do not know what Rokan told anybody. Yeah, I mean, that's
0: true. That's true.
1: Rokhan's telling Bane.
2: Sure, but I was going to say like Rokan seems relatively close to Bane. If anybody was going to say anything, it would be him, I think.
1: Yeah, but did he have time to? Cuz the next time you see Rokan, he has been sent off to Zandal. He's Rokan's on the boat with you. Yeah, when you end up in Zandalar. But, he but has when you're not in Zandalar, come back yet
2: no that's not true because when there there are several when you first start out as the horde there talanji rokan and bane are all around the map that is the very first thing
1: that means bane's come through doesn't mean rokan's gone back bane might know because he'd be there to get it from rokan but it doesn't mean the horde knows right or talanji even
0: because talanji's right there with bane correct like bane actually shows up in zandalar specifically to kind of keep an eye on things. Uh, Sylvanas tried to kind of shove him to the side and she did in some aspects but he's kind of back in he's he's got his thumb on the pulse of things. He's not taking any direct actions right now because he can't afford to. It's not that Bane can't afford to. It's that if he does so and things fall back on his face then he's letting down his people and he's really unwilling to do that. And I don't yeah, right think that's now, cowardice. That's just self-preservation.
1: As you, as as Joe has pointed out, and as Anne has pointed out, right now Bane is it as far as even if he knows Saurfang's alive, Saurfang is not currently important. He'll become important when they, everyone knows he's outside of a prison again. But right now, the only person Bane has to fall back on is Bane, and maybe Hamul. And Hamul doesn't have a lot going on right now. What with that giant gaping. Yeah, he's he's
2: got other like, things he's worried about. Yeah.
1: Yeah. As far as Hamul is concerned, well, I'm the only druid I can contact anymore because I doubt Malfurion's taken my calls. Uh, so, yeah, I'm kind of stuck down here. Now, the Scenarian Circle is effectively gutted right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It does not have leadership anymore. Um, the the Shando is focused on something else. In, in a way, like, this is Sylvanas's game to lose. It's like, it comes down to, does she push things too far that other people have to act? Right now... As as a Horde leader, what could Bane really say or do? It's mean that you did this thing to win a war? You know what I mean? It, like, yeah, he may find it distasteful or even horrific, but what could he actually say? Is he going to challenge her to a macgora She's not an orc. Does Is, does she, is she going to accept the macgora challenge? She doesn't no. have to. No, you know I mean? highly unlikely. So if Bane makes a move on her, it needs to be a fatal move. And Bane is not going to just try and kill Sylvanas yet. We're not at that stage. He doesn't have the support. His own people would be like, "Well, are you, su- are you sure about this?" They're not ready to go. If the Torrent aren't ready to jump, he's not going to jump. And to say that they're the Torrent have more in common with the Alliance, why would you? That the the, the d- dwarves actually dug up their ancestors' graves. Mm-hmm. You know, that's back in vanilla, guys. Dwarven dwarven explorers actually dug up. Toran ancestor graves. There is no way that the Toran are going to be like you know super happy with the Alliance. They may not have any actual active hate with them, you know, th- so they don't really have any reason to. But you know, they don't have any connections there either. It's like you've on one side you've got your friend who really helped you out of a jam once, and sometimes kind of seems like he's more trouble than he's worth. On the other side, you got that guy who watched you get beat up a lot and then broke in your garage and stole your stuff. Like, why am I gonna back that guy he stole my stuff. I don't know him.
2: And not only that, there's so much history now too between the Alliance and the Horde. Let's just take in the the 14 years of of wow time into effect. The Horde the Torn have been fighting on behalf of the Horde this entire time. There yeah. there's there's Alliance have been squashed by giant angry cow people at the behest of their leaders multiple times. They've been involved in almost every single conflict that's happened since the, the birth of World of Warcraft actually hit. Why would the Alliance all of a sudden say, "Yeah, you know what? Forget it. You you killed my cousin Jimmy. Everything's forgiven. Come on in. Let's let's have some scones. It'll be fine.
0: Let's hug like, it let's out." Just... The thing but that, is, th- that's is, not going to happen. The thing is, is that if Andwin came to Bane and proposed some kind of peaceful solution, Bane would probably be on board with that. But would he join the Alliance? No, I don't think so. Would he be peaceful with them? Yeah, if they were gonna chill, and let the Torin be chill, and, and you know there was some kind of like simpatico sort of understanding between the two parties. Yeah, sure. But Bain's not about to sign on with the alliance. That's just that's yeah. not no. He's not gonna do the it. Horde,
1: yeah, horde membership in the Torin horde membership was, comes from a personal relationship between Karen and Thrall. A personal moment of Thrall extending the orcs. On the behalf of the Toran, with no hope of a reward, it was a personal relationship that benefited both peoples, and that's where it came from. Now it's had all this time. You don't. It's just. It's not as simple as well. They're doing bad stuff. You know. It. it just isn't. That's. It's. That's not what's going to end up happening. I think, if anything, the fact that there's no backup for for uh, Bane right now is going to show exactly how circumspect his his role is. He's he's going to have to wait for his moment.
2: Now, that said, that his moment might be coming up soon with things that are happening, but you're absolutely right. He has to bide his time.
0: Yep. And that's not cowardice. That's just common sense. Anyway, uh, thank you for the question, Halfrick. Let's go ahead and move on. Um, we have the next email has several different questions. Um, these are all from Narcossus of Coral Straws. But I think what we're going to do is we're just going to go through them point by point, if that's OK with you guys. Okay, so the first question, did the old gods really come first or was death there first and nobody really knew or understood it at the time? I'm not quite sure how to approach this because the old gods were a construct created by the void and the void was definitely there first. Well, first it was the light and then the void and then everything else came after that.
2: I think the answer is yes. I I I don't think there is a definitive chicken or egg here. I think they both sort of were existent at the same time because when light and the void both came into being it created sort of a cycle we talked about that before where like there's this whole life death thing going on in the entirety of the universe so death has been there since the birth of everything but so has the void and the old gods are an extension of the void given manifest in the physical plane so we don't know how many other old gods have been throughout the universe or you know if the void was born, and then said immediately, "Yep, yep, we're going to go on that planet over there because we're just going to shotgun void goo into the material plane and see where it lands, and then that'll just be old goddy type stuff everywhere." But I, I think I I think both have existed think, since time began.
0: Well, I was going to say I, I I'd Ish. say that the void came first. The void came first, not the old gods. The void, and I know that when void and light collided, that's when that's kind of when life happened that's when existence began in that whole mashup between the two forces if that makes sense and at that point that's when the void started sending out those void globules and things so the void came first yes but I'm guessing that the old gods and death and that's all tied into existence and I think that all came in to play at the same time if that makes sense
2: that, that's basically what I was trying to say, so yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah.
1: Like, death is
0: something that doesn't come into existence
1: until there are things that can die. Yeah. The light doesn't have that ability to die. It, it's the light. We don't know if Naru can actually die. We don't it's know just if a primordial
0: force is all it
1: yeah. is. But the void definitely doesn't seem to be... They do not live, they do not die, they are outside the cycle. And that seems to be the case for the light as well. Um, so... I would say that death comes after the void and the the light, because those things existed as universal constants. They weren't beings. I don't think you get death until you get beings.
0: What about the old gods, though?
1: The old gods come after death because there were beings before the old gods. The old gods were like, the titans exist and titans can die. So even if titans didn't die before
0: that? And then the old gods kind of came after that.
1: Yes, because the old gods are, were created in response to the existence of Titans. Although, here's the thing. Does death exist until something has died? And had anything died before that point? Like, the we know Amon is the first Titan that we we know of that woke up. Did he have life on him? Like, so were there living things in the cosmos before the existence of the Titans? Like, that's the thing I don't know the answer Was to. Was
0: he a planet with a bunch of living things crawling on him yeah. at one like, point in you know, time? For, for all we know... um.
1: Amonthul is Earth, the planet Earth that we're on right now. Eventually it comes consciousness, becomes Amonthul. goes around the universe spreading like, you know, Titan lore that looks an awful lot like our various mythologies because it's kind of got them half-remembered and all the Warcraft cosmos is after Earth has turned into a giant bearded guy. Um, I'm not saying that's what happened, but I'm saying my point being, we have no idea what Amonthul was like before he became alive, before he could talk and think. Did he have living things on him? Did those things die? I think death exists after things can die. So light and void existed first. Death would come when there were things that could die. And I think the old gods came after that. I think the old gods existed after death, but the void existed before it. okay, so that would be what I would say. Okay, But that's Next- just me totally death blue skying. I don't actually know.
0: Yeah, there's not a lot on that particular, on those technicalities, I guess, on those little Fiddly bits, there's not a lot of lore involving that kind of thing, at least not yet. Um this all seems like something that may come into play at some point though. Anyway, next question, does the void really fear death as a genuine problem for everyone or is death in a better position to take control of Azeroth and that's what it fears?
2: Void doesn't fear death. Void fears undeath. Like that or or at least we think that it fears undeath. I don't think there's anything that specifically says that void fears death.
0: Rossi, yes, you got no. anything to add to that?
1: I'm thinking about it because I don't think Joe is wrong. I think he's right in that it was Sylvanas that the, the Void reacted to. She serves the true enemy. And I'm thinking back to that. They do not live. They do not die. They are beyond the cycle. If you exist in a way, in, you know, way A, that makes you basically capable of doing whatever the heck you want in a universe because everything in it is mortal and you can easily, you know, outlast it. What's more threatening than the concept of enemies that never die? can't drive them mad because look at them and you can't kill them because they're already dead, but they're well, still moving around.
2: I don't and, know about the driving the mad thing. Cause look but, at the Lich King.
1: I don't think the Lich King was crazy. No, no I don't he think he was crazy getting... at all. Um, in fact, I think that's part of the problem. The way that the void works, we, we, we remember we had that conversation about the whole idea of it shows you every possible thing at once and says that they are all true. But mm-hmm. look at Sylvanas's thought processes. They don't care about options. Sylvanas does not have the capacity to think about things the way she used to. She's like pragmatism personified. And the only time you get emotional outbursts out of her is when you try to make her think like it's when she tries to be not the cold, unfeeling monster that she starts going crazy with rage.
0: When you are undead, possibility isn't even a factor anymore you just exist that's it and i've said this before that sylvanas and her people are they represent stasis they aren't on Mm -hmm. a cycle they aren't in the cycle anymore they are outside of the cycle and they are neither living nor dead they don't the 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 rules of existence that the void and the light are familiar with do not apply to undead creatures it's, they don't just, it, the laws it's of not life. applicable.
1: Yeah, and that makes them a threat because now, because yeah. they're an unknown.
0: Your... They are not yeah, a possibility. Un... They are they. They aren't a possibility. They aren't anything that the void can fathom or figure out. They aren't. We say that the void sees everything. They see every possibility, every potential, and all of them are truths, right? But this isn't a possibility. It's no, impossible. the undead are just there they're unfathomable they're just they're supposed
1: to be mo- dead and still moving
0: they're unnatural that's
1: not yeah and that's the thing for all that the void is from outside the cycle the, the last thing they want is something else from outside the cycle now i have to try and grok that and it sylvanas is very it's very important to watch how sylvanas works every outburst of rage every time she gets like not cold every time she gets angry it's when someone tries to make her be alive the time think look back to war crimes she's at her most dangerous when she's feeling things again her love for her sister she starts to feel it again and it's agonizing and she's like i can't bear to lose this but it hurts so much i'll just kill her And make her like me and then we'll be together forever and i won't ever have to worry about losing her and i won't have these feelings torturing me i
0: mean heck look at the burning of teldrassil that order was a knee-jerk reaction to this other night elf who was trying to get her to show some kind of sympathy or empathy or compassion or something something some sort of signal or sign that the Sylvanas that was alive Is still there And she's not And maybe that's part of the reason Why she ordered it burned Because she just wanted to prove Yeah, no, this is not a thing This is not how who I am Anymore And yeah, I, I think that the Void is unnerved Like I said, I think it has to do with the fact That the Void sees all possibilities And everything, and sees them all as truth Or whatever, and undead undeath just doesn't fit into that anywhere it's right, like this it, cog that's just sort of stuck in there messing things up
2: yeah so i mean to to circle back to the root of the question though again it's it's not that the void fears death the void fears undeath it fears stasis yeah completely completely different things
0: so we're going to move on to the next question which also makes us up a position that the void fears death so we're going to correct that and move from there because this is still kind of applicable anyway. Um, the Void has an incredible fear of undeath but the Light, specifically the Naru, disregard it in fear of the Legion and what Sargeras was doing. They, they like completely looked it over. Do you think that this might be due to how close to home the energies associated with each great threat are to the Light and the Void? Fell being what happens when Light is destroyed and Death Magic being tied to the Shadow. I don't think that the naru really disregarded death. it's just not a priority and
1: it's like yeah it's like when you know you have multiple problems happening at once it's like you know it's there's, triage. There's a wild animal yeah, there's a wild animal in my front yard that's you know dangerous and that's a problem but my house is on fire right now and i'm standing in my burning house i am afraid of that grizzly bear but i'm also afraid of the house on fire that i'm standing in and I will die if I stay here in this house the grizzly bear might not attack me so let's does, let's
0: deal with the house on fire first and then we'll yeah. think about the other thing and the Naru, I mean they have worked towards that before if you've played through um, the Brit and Brad storyline in Northern mm-hmm. this was like the first indication that the Naru knew what was up with the undead plague and all of that because they showed up and they intervened with Brit and Brad. he was infected with the plague and he would have been risen with this, risen as Scourge, because that's just what happens. And the Naru intervened and said, no, you're still going to die, but we're going to make sure that you go to the right place. You're not coming back as some kind of mindless undead slave. We're going to take you where you need to be. And that, I think that's the only time I've really seen them intervene in that aspect.
2: Which is interesting to me, too, because when you look at it, the Naru... I mean, we just had this in in the um before the storm book too. They they seem to not really mind working with Forsaken or, or Undeath as much because they can still channel light. Like we have priests yeah. that they work with that, that that you know channel the light at, at great cost to their own person, whatever. But they don't seem to really care about that as much because okay, you're still you're still doing light things. You're you're okay. We can deal here's
1: with you. Thing, here's the thing to think about. The light yeah. has imposed the cycle on itself. Yeah. The the shadow, the void, has not. They do not live. They do not die. They are outside the cycle. The light, we're like, okay, we'll be in this. If in order to be in this universe, we will accept a cyclical existence. We will have Naru that have light and dark cycles. The, the void does not. And we've always seen that, and we've never really thought about, well, how come the void doesn't have this limitation that the light does? Why would the light accept such a limitation? because you have to accept such a limitation to work in this universe. And that's always been the Void's greatest advantage. But what if it's also their greatest weakness?
0: It's kind of weird, too, because the Void, like we said, it sees all possibilities as truth, whereas the Light picked one and and sees that as, like, the irrevocable truth of all existence and all things. Yet the Light has shown that it's way more flexible in terms of fitting into... And maybe, maybe that's part of it, too, is that the light and the creatures of the light, they're willing to adapt to the cycle because they see the cycle as the one truth. Yeah?
1: Yeah, it could be entirely be possible. I mean if you look at like Most likely actually look, yeah. if
0: you look at Lithraxian or if yeah. you look
1: at like the light the light bound. I was I was thinking about this the other day, I wrote about it um to a little degree. The thing is is that both the Maghar and the, the light bound can be correct in their view or that, you know, the other is to blame for what's happening to Dranor. Um because Both are operating from a different perspective. And that's the problem the light has, is the light only sees the one perspective. But what if the problem with the void is that it does not understand that there can be perspectives it does not see? The light knows that there are perspectives it does not see. It just doesn't think they're true. But the void can't believe it doesn't see everything. And if there is something out there now that they don't understand...
0: Like the undead.
1: They can't cope with it because they cannot believe that it is what it is. It's got to be something else because it can't be this thing because if it was that thing, it would be something we saw and we don't see it.
0: And what did the light do when confronted
1: with undeath? It tried to make its own. Look at what happens with With Calia. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, just you can still be that thing as long as you come to our understanding. That's fine. Mm-hmm. We don't care what you are. We just care that eventually you embrace our view of the universe.
0: I feel like Kalia was the was like the attempt to bring undeath within the cycle, maybe? Maybe to a degree. I'm not sure.
2: Well I think I think I think we have to wait and see how that pans out before we yeah. can make that. But yeah.
1: It certainly seems to be the light basically the light has shown a few times now that it does not reject the undead. And that comes back to something Velen once said. When do you, do you guys remember oh bloody heck uh it's in the swamp of sorrows the the guy's dying yeah and he can't be saved yeah and velen shows up velen shows right up and says the the light does not abandon its champions but it does not uh, 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 it does not operate unopposed in this world's realm yeah the light would it would help you it just can't now sometimes the light's help is i'm going to make you into a being of perfect light and understanding i don't want to be a being of light and perfect understanding huh
0: and that's where free will comes into play yeah, and it's very you puzzling you don't
1: want it like and i do how feel can like, you like, not want it yeah yeah i I think we've like that's the problem with the light right now is we've moved into like thinking that they're sinister but they're not the problem with the light is is that it doesn't get the idea of looking at it a different way sure you're undead but you of course you want to be one of us like you know being a perfect light and perfect understanding no huh well that's weird. Okay, i'm gonna say this again <laughs> Okay, Illidan, i I'm going to try this again. I'm going to fix all your problems and make you a being of perfect understanding. I don't want it. What did he say? I don't. I'm, well, I'm going to do it. That's the problem with Zera. She didn't know what to do with the no. Do you know what I mean? Like the same way she was with uh, Valeria. Not Valeria. Uh, Alaria. When and she didn't know And it's kind of what Algalon.
0: It's kind of what Algalon demonstrated when you ran into Algalon and you defeated him. He said, "Perhaps it's that free will." That makes you different from everything else Because he couldn't comprehend it either It yeah, was and... it was one of those things Where it was like Has everything loved life the way that you do? Because I don't get that Like that's weird And if that's the case Then that means that all of these other worlds That I've seen perish Or be, be you know re-originated There were things like you there I did that I, I want Algalon to come back at some point because supposedly he's just been observing like that's he he left after War and left to go observe the world and observe these weird creatures and I would love for him to show up again and start talking about what he decided or what he found I don't know it's one of those things that I'm like "Mm, I would like that anyway okay uh moving on there's one last question here from Narcrosis, who says, Are the old gods the Titan-sized equivalent of the mind-control thing that Stone Speaker had on his head in Throne of the Tides? Does whoever make it to Azeroth's brain first get to be the pilot? Thanks for all of your watching, Narcrosis. So, um, yeah, that's actually kind of funny, because I went to... Um, where did I go to Dead Watch? I went to Dead Watch today for a world quest thing that I, or no, an achievement that I was knocking out, and there was a world quest there that had those little purple dudes that ride around on your head—the thing, the the mind bender thing that Arinok Stone Speaker had on in Throne of the Tides. Um, so I was like, oh wow, that's convenient. Um, so yeah, are the old gods the equivalent, like the giant equivalent of those little brain sucker thingies? I
1: think, too, that's not a bad analogy. Um, The the old gods seem to be macro-scale viruses. Like, they're infections on a reality level. Uh, Like, literally, like, giant germs. Germs thrown into our universe from another cosmos. And the way that they operate seems to be, like, the Naraki and the the Akir were literally born from their bodies. and, And it feels an awful lot like they're just fractal. Like, up and down, it's all the same thing. It's the same kind of thing. It's a twisted abomination type thing that that uses this universe as the raw material to make more of itself to try and infect and overwhelm a host the way, it, you know, if you get a virus, that's what it does inside you. It, it uses you to make more of it. And it, it, it's kind of how the old gods seem to operate. And the, the little ones are just smaller versions. So, yeah, I think they, that's not a bad analogy for them. I don't know if it's exactly one to one, but it does feel like it, it, it hits to the truth of them. The way that they work
2: yeah i mean i would go a little bit maybe different where i wouldn't say that necessarily the first one that gets there gets to be the pilot i think it's more of a corruption sort of mechanic as far as that goes
1: yeah i don't like, think it would be like you know driven around by yeah know, it's not like a mega sword what, or something yeah i don't think yusraj is going to be perched on it on the face of it going yeah ah, driving it but i think that and all will form the head Yol- God, no <laughs> Yol- God's would probably not exist anymore
2: yeah that's what i'm thinking is the, thinking it they it would, would sacrifice
1: a, yeah it, it'd be like if you if the viruses kill the host the host dies um in this case the virus would turn the host into an, a huge breeding ground that uh, the, the the void titan that would then corrupt our entire universe but yeah i don't just, i don't think they'd actually be riding around on their face but it's still a decent analogy for sure. how they operate
0: it'd be existence's worst voltron ever um okay so that wraps up necrosis uh i have one more email here this is a lengthy one but i think it's worth discussing um just because we we never seem to tire of talking about sylvanas so why not uh this one is from persky who's a no mate on worm rest accord who says oh waters of lore i had what i hope to be an original thought regarding Sylvanus's motivations in the burning of teldrassil I've previously had a hard time reconciling Sylvanas' reputation as a peerless tactician, particularly given her recent decisions. However, a thought struck me regarding her ultimate strategic aims for the unfolding war. As she tells Nathanos, her ultimate goal is to take Stormwind and raise its population into the Forsaken, something she she would know that the orcs, tauren, trolls, etc. would not agree with. So she forces the issue by committing an atrocity so grievous it causes the breakout of total war on Azeroth, a conflict in which peace between the factions is not, she hopes, an option. She tells Horde leaders that the attack on Teldrassil is meant to deny the Alliance a port for the shipment of Azerite. However, all along she intends to burn the tree, uniting the Alliance against the Horde. The Horde now has no choice but to follow Sylvanas into this war for survival. Of course, I could be wrong and her decisions are solely driven by the amount of mustache or in her case, eyebrow twirling she can do afterwards and the demand of plot driving character rather than the other way around. I hope this message finds you all well and that what I've said makes some kind of sense. Cheers, Persky.
2: That actually has uh, a, a something to it that I've been thinking about myself a little bit too. Yeah. Um, which is Sylvanas has commented multiple times through uh, the various different forms of media that we've gotten that you know what reason does the horde have to follow me i'm, I'm paraphrasing but it's it's more dramatic and and well written than that uh, as far as what i'm saying than what i'm saying but it's like you know they could turn on me at any second they i'm not really one of them you know and then she just has this thing too where if you look at again before the storm her own people the ones that are supposed to be wholly devoted to her are going to leave to go to be with their alliance family like she understands that this is a possibility after this and
0: what's her the- response to that
2: she goes and murders them. She destroys them. She she burns everything essentially from the ground up. She ushers them
0: into that final death that they were looking yep. forward to so much because so she this, knows what's beyond it.
2: But and this it's would not make good great. sense that. because if if her own people, the ones that are supposed to be so beholden to her, are willing to turn their backs on her, then what do the other races in the horde have to really lock them under her? So I could see that being the thing where she's not necessarily doing it for any other reason aside from taking the option of peace away. Because... There's
1: actually one other reason that you're missing. Oh? Uh, gonna have to get a little into spoilers on 8.1 to talk about it, but it's coming out in a week, and we're all gonna see it. Like okay so days. let's
0: just real quick here spoiler I was warning trying for real 8, hard to avoid 8.1 spoiler warning <laughs> yeah. for 8.1 if you haven't played through the content yet if you're listening to this on Patreon if you're listening to this on the website 8.1 has been out for a week what have you been doing anyway uh spoiler warning for plot elements and let's go ahead and go okay Rossi
1: spill it we we find out in in 8.1 we find out that Sylvanas can make dark rangers out of night elves yep yeah And that means the night elves that she's killing she can, can swell her ranks and she's an elf and the dark rangers have always been more loyal to her than anybody else and if she can turn the Calderai in a way it's a reunion of her people in death they're her people again she can create a new kind of forsaken that are even more like her And much more likely to support her. And it's very clear to me that she does something that twists their worldview. You can tell me all you want that that she doesn't control them and doesn't break their will. But I'm sorry. She can make them turn on their own people immediately. So she's doing something.
0: There's a couple of things here that I want to point out. And one of them I brought up in the Know, Know Your Lore that I wrote last week. For people who think that this viewpoint of Sylvanas wanting to swell the ranks of the forsaken and all of this is a relatively new development it's not it's been there since vanilla it's been mm-hmm. there since like the first handful of quests that you played as a brand new forsaken the reason sylvanas How do my orders propagate. no yeah. the reason that sylvanas orders the development of the forsaken blight the reason that she orders the development of the blight there's two two reasons to it first off it's designed and engineered to wipe out the Scourge because she wants to stick it to the Lich King Um, and that's been her MO ever since she broke free of his control. The second reason, and it was something that was in development and not quite working the way that she wanted it to, was that it would murder the living Alliance or whoever and immediately raise them not as Scourge but as Forsaken. It would murder the Scourge and raise them, not as Scourge, but Forsaken. It was being engineered, or trying to be engineered, to bolster her ranks. Mm-hmm. When when it gets used
1: at the Wrathgate, mm-hmm. and Putress yells, Death to the Scourge, and Death to the Living, that's not a surprise. No. That's what the plague was always made to do.
0: It's it's what it's always been engineered to do. It's why she P- made the Royal Apothecary Society.
1: The only thing Putris did that wasn't what she wanted was he made a deal with, with
0: uh, Verimothras
1: uh, to take over the Undercity. That and if wasn't you think that
0: Sylvanas didn't know about that... I don't know. <laughs> I Sylvanas knew about knew that.
1: I think, I think Sylvanas knew, knew it, that Veramothriss...
0: I think that Veramothriss... I, I think that she knew that Veramothriss was never on her side. Oh, I yeah, mean, obviously. he's an agent of the Burning Legion. Of course he's going to be working behind her back. Of course he's going to be doing all this other stuff. She's keeping an eye on him. She's smart. She's always been brilliant. Tactically well, brilliant.
1: Plus there's always the fact that it's better to know where the knife is coming from Like, she got out of Undercity real fast. Well, and
0: what I pointed out, what I pointed out in the Know Your Lore that I wrote is that in that whole battle for the Undercity, we never found out what triggered that rebellion, what triggered Veramothra to choose that point in time. We never figure it out. Because as players, as Horde players, you are sent to Orgrimmar and you talk to Thrall. And Thrall has just had a conversation with who? Sylvanas Windrunner. And Sylvanas tells him, they turned against me and I barely escaped with my life. And does he believe her? Yes, absolutely. Because by all appearances, that's exactly what happened. But I'm wondering, and what I hypothesize in not Know Your Lore, is, is this something... That she initiated, did she nudge him into reacting, did she nudge him into starting this whole coup attempt because what happened at the Rathgate went belly up and didn't happen the way it was supposed to
2: entirely possible, I mean also very probable that she she doesn't strike me as a as a creature that gets caught unawares often if ever
0: no, but I mean... here's what here's what the rathgate here's or not the rathgate here's what battle for the undercity did. Got rid of Verimothras, who she mm-hmm. knew was already working against her. Got rid of Putres, who was the one person or one of a handful of Forsaken who could say, "Sylvanus ordered that attack on the Rathgate." What are you talking about? I wasn't working on my own. She told me to do it. But she got rid of him. And she got mm-hmm. rid of all of the people that were working with him. And it presented her in something almost unfathomable It presented her in a sympathetic light, where the rest of the Horde was like, Oh, poor Sylvanas. She barely escaped. Oh my gosh, her people are working against her. This is terrible. We need to help her. And then she could just slide under the radar. And the only person, the only person who suspected anything, or pointed out anything, was Garrosh. And what happened to him? Mm Mm-hmm. Why do you think Sylvanas was so gung-ho about joining the Rebellion? Why not get rid of that one guy? That one guy who suspects that anything weird is going on. Well, she's and I mean, brilliant. And she is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and I mean, and she's
2: and, and you got to you got to also consider the fact that she was probably planning that for a while, especially with Garrosh as well.
0: Absolutely. Sim-
2: simply because, I mean, if you do any of the early Forsaken questing, even now, like he's sending agents to watch her. That was the whole thing.
0: Yeah, he had, he, replace, he had the Corcron replace. He had the Corcoran replace the Undercity guards. So they could Mm -hmm. keep an eye on her. He was suspicious, like, right from the get-go. And he was the only one, really, that was... And and what did everybody do? Ah, poor Sylvanas. She's got the corkron breathing down her neck. Ooh, Garrosh is such a jerk. But the thing is, is Garrosh may have been a jerk, but he had a point.
2: He wasn't wrong. No.
0: (laughs) He was not wrong. What happened in Gilneas? They ordered Sylvanas, do not unleash the blight. And then they walked out. And what did she do immediately after the general walked out? Said, Mm -hmm. of course we're going to unleash the blight. What are you thinking? (laughs) So, I mean, there's a lot going on here as far as her plans. And I feel like this theory that Persky mentioned as far as forcing the issue... It's not entirely out of place because I don't think that she really the role of war chief. I don't think it's something that she cares about. I don't think she cares about the Horde so much as far as like the living members of the Horde.
1: No, I do. I do think, though, that there is something to be considered here. Yeah, it's like, when you get on a tiger's back, you can't just get off. No, mm-hmm. the, old, the old saying the Horde is dangerous. Look at what they can do militarily. Well, we just talked about that with Bane.
2: It would be the same thing reversed.
1: Yeah. She she's in charge right now, but the second she's not in charge, the next war chief is probably going to want to talk to her.
0: And if Have that next war chief really, happens to be,
1: really. if the next war
2: chief happens to be somebody like Bane.
1: yeah, Bane or Sorfang are her like her nightmare scenarios. Mm-hmm. And even you know, even if somehow through like I don't know how this would possibly happen but let's assume for a moment that like we got a blood elf war chief oh god um yeah Lorthamar is still under her thumb not no not if he's war chief. exactly Mm. he
2: has
1: well i'm talking about right now right now right now now, i don't think he's under her thumb i think he's basically playing the same game as bane just he's longer and he's better at it he knows exactly how to be ingratiating with her because he knew her Yep, and she's different now. But he remembers. He can assume that mask of, you know, I you are the you know you're the the head of the Rangers and I'm your your lieutenant. Tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. He can assume that air with her, and she's willing to accept it from him. There's there's a little bit of that there, and they're both more you know. Bane, for all that he is, is very smart, it's little Bane residual
0: not, echoes you know, of who she used yeah. to be. Well, Bane's not no.
1: sophisticated in the way that Lorthamar is. I was but gonna say if anybody's if anybody
2: could match her in deviousness and like spy network i would put it on lotharmar that he could so like if anybody has a chance of like finding the spies or or the eyes and ears that she sends out as, as much as like he's probably doing to her it's probably him so yeah i don't think i don't think he's as under her thumb as we think he is i think it's he all knows
0: Matt. he knows how she operates he does know how she oh, operates yeah. and when i say that he's under her thumb i mean that um Oh, what was it? In the Shadows of the Sun? I think that was the short story where he came. She came to him and said, I need you to send people to Northrend. Like right after everything happened with the Sunwell and everything else. And he's like, I don't have the people to spare. And she said, I got you into the Horde. You owe me. Find your people. Send them north. And that was the end of that. And he knew that there was no arguing with that.
1: Sure. Yeah. But but that was before that was before. The South became full of Alliance soldiers. That's and true. And she, she does not have control of Lordaeron anymore. She is not a direct existential threat to him. She not only that. Threat, but she's not that direct existential threat she once was. Do you think and the Horde he, would actually accept Lordaeron as a leader? I think I they not I don't think so yet. I think that stuff would have to happen. Lordaeron would have to do things that would put him in that position. Like, I think Sourfang or Bane are much, much more likely candidates than than sure. And she knows it. Get... She's systematically
0: yeah. taking them out. Yeah. She left. She's been pushing Sourfang's buttons and keeping him on the edge of, I don't know if I want to be here or not. And as well, long as would, he's yeah, been playing would... nice, she's been tolerating him. But as soon as he stopped playing nice, she made the moves. To get him out of there with a few well-placed words about his son, which was so grossly just, ugh, that whole moment. That whole moment at the Battle for Lordaeron just really made me cringe. But then you go one step beyond that, right? And you go to the Horde cinematic at the end of the Battle for Lordaeron when Bane turns around and he says, you left him to die. And she says... You can join him if you like, and she's deliberately she's deliberately trying to push his buttons. She's trying to get Bane to fly off the handle, cause the moment that she that he does, she's got him, right where she There's... wants him, and she can take him out. And if the Toran don't have a leader in place, either A. Magatha swoops in and takes over, or B. All of a sudden they're all under Sylvanas, cause they've got nobody else to look to, so they might as well look to the War Chief.
2: Well, going back to the Lothamar thing real quick too, there there's another thing that we haven't mentioned that I think is kind of important. Yes, Sylvanas had that thing where I got you into the horde you owe me. Who who did Lotharmar bring into the horde recently? That that's an allied race that's kind of important. Oh yeah. That has all sorts of arcane, you know, prowess and controls basically all of the horde's portals now.
0: Well, and I think he brought them in kind of on purpose. Like Yeah. I think part of the reason why part of the reason why the Blood Elves were so ingratiating adamant. and adamant about their outreach to the Nightborn be- was because it was like, let's bring you in because then we will have at least one pal on our side that we absolutely know about who is closer to the Eastern Kingdoms than Kalimdor and can back us up in a fight.
2: Well, not only that, but like, let's say we have to get the heck out of Dodge real quick, mm. having, you know, Oculus and his and his
0: <laughs> you guys totally for portals. know how to get out of you guys exactly. know how to get out of trouble <laughs> i wouldn't
1: i wouldn't be surprised if at the end of this expansion um there were suddenly i don't think this will happen but it wouldn't shock me if the blood elves have to evacuate to suramar
2: yeah i, I would that actually would be, be okay with surprise.
1: that um, because right now they are in a bad position
2: yep between undead and I mean, trolls and still half a dead yeah. city
0: they're yeah. they're the only Horde city left on their eastern kingdoms. I mean, the Alliance
1: have that with the dranai, but the drani At least they're an they island. Can't,
0: they can't fly
1: that ship, but I would not be shocked if they could initiate its weapon systems.
0: Yeah. It's functional. Well, not like that, but they're,
2: they're an island. They, they have, they're, there's limited ways that people can get to them, and I don't think anybody's going to try to. It, it would be really weird to see somebody try to out-magic the dranai. Like, it really would be something.
1: I think it's possible possibly, to out arcane magic them because they haven't necessarily kept on a, up on it to the degree that they once were. Sure, but, but if the night are like. The sheer amount of light that they can pull through. Mm-hmm. Like, Divinus isn't a joke, and neither is Velen, for that matter. Velen, we saw what the alternate universe Velen could do. He could step into a dark Naru and just, boom, turn it back. He tossed him his life, but that's a lot of power. That's a lot of power. And that's just, you know, imagine an angry villain defending his people. We've seen that he's, he's not the guy he was anymore. He's much more active than he used to be. Yeah. I, I would not want to push him into a role where he feels like, oh, you're coming. The, the Horde is coming to attack my people again, is it? Well, we're not running this time. You know, and, and again, there's that ship up in orbit. And we haven't seen a we haven't seen that the main Vindicar gun in a The could do
0: some serious damage. Yeah.
1: I think right now Velen is keeping his people out and keeping mm-hmm. there a place where the you know the Alliance forces can go. They can retreat like but Night Elves have retreated to that island and so forth. But you don't want to push him like right now Sylvanas does not have the means to push him. So we'll see what happens.
0: Okay, well I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Thank you Persky for the email. Um, I don't know if we addressed your theory specifically, but I think we did pretty good with it anyway, (laughs) as far as going on a tangent, um... Just as a reminder for you guys, the listeners of Blizzard Watch, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Before the Storm, I know we've talked about it a lot already throughout the show, it's one of those audiobooks that you can use or that you can choose with your free 30-day trial if you want to. That one is narrated by Josh Keaton, who also does the voice of Anduin Wren in-game. So it's kind of a unique experience because it's like Anduin's reading the book to you and it's very well done. Um, you can download that or there's a bunch of other blizzard titles that are available um or if you don't have any interest in Blizzard titles at all, there's thousands of other books that you can choose from. by go- And you can do that by going to blizzardwatch.com audible. Every sign-up helps support the show and everything that we do. Uh, blizzardwatch, it's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzardwatch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on a podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Final thoughts you guys. Um I'm going to go back to her cuz we just kind of touched on her very briefly but with 8.1 coming out next week and um with the limited knowledge that we have of patches that are coming up. Callie amenethil when do you think we'll see her again and in what capacity? Joe.
2: Towards the end of the expansion and probably during the overthrow of Sylvanas or redemption of Sylvanas, whatever happens with Sylvanas. So whenever we start getting to the climactic moment that deals with her and the things that she's doing, that's when we're going to start to see Kellia again.
0: Okay, Rossi, same question. We
1: know she gets mentioned by Jaina in 8.1. Jaina asks Anduin about her. I don't think she'll be in 8.2 because 8.2 is not focused
0: on the Horde Alliance conflict.
1: So that puts her in 8.3 in my opinion.
0: And how do you think that she'll fit in?
1: That's a good question, but the fact that Jaina is asking about her implies to me that that Jaina wants to reach out to her. Um, I think it's going to be... We know what the Horde is doing, and I don't know about spoiling, but the Horde is doing something with someone that would hurt Jaina. I think Jaina is thinking in a similar way, and she's going to reach out to Kalia because it could hurt Sylvanas. So probably as a secret weapon to use against Sylvanas.
0: So in other words, yeah, we're probably going to see her at some point in the future. I can't see them dropping that plot point, that really big plot point at the end of Before the Storm and not utilizing it in the expansion in some capacity. So I could
1: see them doing that because they've done that before. mm, But then they have her get mentioned in the game.
0: Yeah. And that
1: once you've got Jaina actually asking about her in game, then I start to pay attention.
0: That's when you go, yeah, that's probably going to come into play at some point here. All right. Well, anyway, thank you guys very much for listening, as always, and we will see you again in two weeks.